Welcome to 444.com's The Most Accurate Podcast. My name is Anthony Stalter, joined as always by my partner in crime, John Paulson. How are we doing tonight, JP? Doing pretty good, Anthony. How are you doing? Good. So the, I, I always like to give people a kind of a heads up so they don't, if, if they're expecting something that maybe we didn't touch upon, realize we're recording on Friday night, August 27th. So just kind of have an idea because I know there's some preseason games going on right now. Uh, you might want John's opinion on something or my opinion on something. If we don't get to it and it's a big deal still a week from now, certainly we'll we'll tackle it next week. But So we're recording on Friday night just so everybody has an understanding of uh, the, the, the background of the podcast. But John, before we dive into our podcast tonight, tell us about the music. Yeah, I would just add that we're recording on Friday night because of me and the fact that I'm getting a new roof put on my house. So this has been a week of... Lots of hammering and stomping and different <laughs> noises from emanating from my roof. And so it wasn't really conducive to, to recording the podcast this morning, which is what you usually would do. Um, but to answer your question, that is the track is Sugar and Spice. It's by an artist called Jocelyn and Chris Arndt. And I don't know if they're married or what. I didn't do a lot of research because I was getting a roof put on my uh, house. So <laughs> I didn't have time to. Uh, I didn't have time to do the research. But it's a really. It's got a really good, great guitar riff. It's basically just a single that they released this year. You can find it on the most accurate podcast playlist, and we'll put a link to that in the show notes. I hope you're having like a whiskey or bourbon or something like that right now. I mean, you know, end end of the week, you got the the roof on. Hopefully, you're you're kicking back a little bit, John. Well, I'm a professional, so I'm going to wait until after the podcast is recorded <laughs> before I crack out the old-fashioned. All right, fair enough. Let's jump right into the latest news. Travis Etienne, terrible news for the, the rookie running back. What's the impact now? He, he's, he's dealing with a, uh, a knee injury. So Travis Etienne, think, you know, he, was, he was going to be the RB1 in Jacksonville, John. Really, uh, you know, really good back out of Clemson. What's the impact now on James, James Robinson? Carlos Hyde, uh, Chenault, who is the wide receiver in Jacksonville, another key piece for that Jacksonville offense. What do you think now with ETN out for the season? Well, I hate to start off by correcting you, but he actually had a Liz Frank injury in his foot. So, Oh, that's right. It was a foot injury. Thank yeah, you. Not the injury, but um, this is a obviously a big blow uh, to the offense in general for, for Jacksonville. I mean, they were planning to use him a lot this year and it sounded like mostly in a pass catching role. So I think the obvious boost is to James Robinson, who was a top 10, top eight type back last season and has that sort of upside again. He got there mainly on, on volume. Uh, He was pretty productive and everything, but he was playing a ton of snaps and seeing almost all the touches in the backfield. And that's why he finished in the top 10. Uh, You know, if he had had a normal 
backup that rotated in and he was seeing 70% of the snaps uh, or 60% of the snaps instead of 80, 90, uh, then he may have finished more as an RB2, which is where I have him ranked now because they did add uh, Carlos Hyde to the mix. Uh, Hyde is, you know, he's getting on in, in his career and is not as effective as he once was. And I don't think that he's a serious threat to Robinson's workload, but he's going to get enough work to sort of annoy Robinson owners who are expecting RB, uh, RB1 type numbers from him. So I think he's really in that sort of premium RB2 category with uh, David Montgomery and Chris Carson. I have him ranked right with them. Uh, those guys are going in the third or fourth round, and I think you, they're really good values there at that point in the draft if, if uh, owners, I shouldn't say owners anymore, I got to say managers, uh, want or drafters want to draft a uh, uh, wide receiver or a tight end along with a running back in the first couple of rounds, and you could target one of these uh, running backs in the third or maybe the fourth round. You might be able to get them. So uh, I, I like Robinson. I'm back to liking him. Uh, basically, he's back to his pre-draft status before they added ETN. He's back in that third, fourth round mix, I think. And I, I know the ADP has jumped, uh, I think, 20-something spots already, and we're just kind of waiting to see what happens uh, tomorrow when the new data camp comes in from today so we can uh, sort of adjust our uh, expectations of when he'll be available. Uh, but right now I have him with Carson and uh, Montgomery. Um, Carlos Hyde should just be like a pure backup. He's got offers like zero pass catching. Uh, I think he had one good season of pass catching, but since then it's been very, very few catches for Carlos Hyde. I think Robinson gets quite a bit of that passing work, but it might also go to LaVisca Chenault, who does have sort of the same kind of vibe that ETN can bring. Uh, maybe he can take over some of those routes and some of those plays that, that, that they were planning for ETN because he's, you know, in the preseason was only seeing, uh, you know, two-thirds of the snaps playing in the slot. Uh, wasn't on the field for two wide receiver sets, and that's going to ding his overall value. But if they get him running in this ETN role a little bit more, maybe he can play 70, 80, uh, you know, 90% of the snaps and he'll be a, a, a more of a value uh, ADP at his ADP because he's going like the seventh round. Let's talk about the Sony Michelle trade now because I think that happens, I mean, maybe a day or so after that we, you know, we got off our last podcast. But uh, speaking Thursday, Rams coach Sean McVay maintained that Darrell Henderson is still going to have a very big role. What's your thoughts on Darrell Henderson, Damian Harris, and others? I know that you and I actually had a trade in our league, John, where uh, I traded you Henderson, and I know you, you were, did. You were high. You were high on Henderson. So what, I'm interested in your thoughts now that the Rams acquired Sony Michelle. Yeah, in the case of that trade, uh, I just had to give up uh, my eighth round pick in order to keep him because he qualified as a prospect in our league. Right. So. You know, would I have preferred that they didn't trade for Sonny Michelle? Uh, yeah, I would have preferred that. This is certainly a little bit of a downgrade for him, even though, um, even though uh, McVeigh said what he said. I'm very happy that McVeigh said what he said. Uh, Adam Schefter came out and basically declared Sonny Michelle the starter, which I think Schefter might be getting a little too big for his britches. He's now making personnel decisions um, for teams, which is odd to me. Um, Still, he's still a gold standard on news, but I, I'm kind of holding a grudge over this whole cumulative <laughs> report and uh, Aaron Rodgers, uh, you know, on draft day. So uh, that all the drama that created. Uh, but I think that was the plan. Anyway, I, I digress. Uh, 
we've got Henderson and we got Sony Michelle, and I think they're both pretty good. I don't think Michelle is is dusted at all, as they say. Uh, his numbers were good last year. His you know his grades uh, at PFF were good. Uh, so I think he's going to be a quality backup, and uh, he certainly has a chance to win that job outright. I think it's going to take a while. He hasn't been in the system. He's going to, you know, like, like I usually say when they get traded, uh, players get traded, he'll be looking for an apartment for the first month, trying to figure out what the hell's going on. And then, you know, at that point, once he settles in, maybe he can uh, push for playing time and uh, maybe push for the RB1 role. But um, I think they, you know, they there was a report that they were all in on Daryl Henderson. I don't think that just because they traded for Michelle means that they don't have confidence in Daryl Henderson leading this backfield. They may not think that he can play 17 games and certainly his history you know has shown that he is has is one that gets a little bit dinged up um and maybe they just want to you know keep him in that 14 to 16 touch range which is where he was uh last year in the in from weeks two to seven he had 14 rush attempts um 1.5 receptions so basically 15.5 touches he averaged 13.4 fantasy points in half ppr and uh, was a low-end uh, RB1 during that span. So I, th- I still have the confidence that he can do that, and there's enough room there if he's getting 15.5 touches for Michelle to you know work his way into some touches as well. You know, In that span from week two to week seven, uh, Darrell uh, Henderson was the number four PFF run grade in that span. He had the number nine reception, uh, receiving grade in that span and the number three overall grade in that span. He's also a very good pass blocker. Uh, so I think the one only question mark with him in terms of talent is, or just ability to stay, is his ability to stay on the field uh, and and to stay um, and to stay healthy. So uh, Michelle kind of works his way into that, you know, injury attrition type play. You know, the Alexander Madisons, the you know the Tony Pollards, uh, maybe the AJ Dillons, or guys that are going to get some touches, but not necessarily win the job. Um, and perhaps he has a little bit more upside than that because. Uh, he might actually, you know, come in and win the job. But I think Darrell, Darrell Henderson's good, and uh, he should. Uh, his ADP is going to dip, and I think uh, people should buy the dip. Let's talk about Jameis Winston now. So he was named the Saints starter. Uh, not a huge surprise given that Taysom Hill, even though he started some games last year, John, uh, you know, Taysom Hill, not not your conventional quarterback. The Saints use him in a variety of ways. Winston, former number one overall pick. Looks like he's in great shape. He's in a better situation, I think, with Sean Sean Payton than he's ever been in before. No Michael Thomas, at least for a while. But when you look at Jameis Winston, you think about how you know the the Saints did did not have a lot of vertical threat to their game a year ago with Drew Brees, and really over the last couple of years they haven't had a, a vertical threat because of Drew Brees' lack of arm strength. When you think about Jameis Winston, you think about a lot of the turnovers. But from a fantasy perspective. Have you moved Jameis Winston up up your your rankings, or have you kind of left them at bay because you want to kind of see how this plays out? Well, I, well, I had him sort of ahead of Taysom Hill because that's the way that things were sort of headed all off season, and the beat writers thought that Jameis Winston was going to win the job, but it was a it was a you know quarterback competition. I think the Saints felt like they owed it to Taysom Hill. Uh, he he, fantasy wise, he was fine as a starter, but it wasn't like he set the world on fire, real football wise. Uh, his numbers were pretty good, and he actually did have the highest adjusted completion percentage at PFF last year, which shows he can throw the football. It's just, just I don't know, some deficiencies in his game as a quarterback, and that you know, 
apparently it was enough for the Saints to turn to Winston, who did have uh, a great uh, preseason game, throwing two touchdowns, uh, deep passes uh, to Marquez Callaway, uh, and uh, just basically showing that he is an NFL quarterback and you know maybe he can clean up the interceptions a little bit. He, this is a good system. He's a good coach, good offense. Uh, he definitely has a chance to to get back to his QB one ways. I would say that, um, you know, I'm a little bit worried given the, you broke it down about Michael Thomas not being available for the first half of the season. That's certainly worrisome from a weapon standpoint. Adam Troutman's dealing with a foot injury, but they do have Juwan Johnson uh, coming on as a move tight end uh, prospect. He's a converted receiver uh, who's happy to convert to tight end apparently because he likes to eat. That's the that was the report, uh, but he's he's looking pretty good as a move tight end, and um, you know Traquan Smith has been out with a uh, a leg injury, and I don't know how close he is to getting back. It doesn't seem like it's serious, but uh, he has been practicing, so that's why people have kind of forgotten about him, and they're definitely on Marquez uh, Callaway. Speaking of Marquez Callaway, you, you you shared some thoughts. More specifically, where should he be going in fantasy drafts with this news? Where where have you targeted him uh, when you've done when you've conducted your drafts of the last week? What about Marquez Callaway from a draft uh, from like an ADP standpoint? Yeah, I don't. This is going to be interesting to see where he ends up landing because it's just this is the hype guy right now, um, and I've I've got him at wide receiver fifty, and this is partially because of the. Michael Thomas potentially returning because Cali could get off to a hot start and give you wide receiver two, wide receiver three numbers for the first half of the season. And Michael Thomas comes back and starts getting 12 targets a game. And, uh, and then where does that leave Callaway? Uh, there's also the chance that Traquan Smith comes back and eats some of his lunch. Uh, Callaway has certainly been the buzz in the talk of camp and he showed it in the preseason game that he's ready to go. And, um, I just feel I'm a little nervous with the, how quickly he's rising. Um, you know, his ADP has been, you know, <laughs> has been popping pretty good. Uh, but at last I looked, he was still available in the double digit rounds. And now I'm looking and it's pick 112. Um, so that is round 10, I believe. Yes. So he's still barely going in the uh, 10th round. You know, I'm you're getting him ahead of some guys that maybe I'm starting to get a little, um, maybe a little bit nervous about. But yeah, I'm looking at it; it's not bad. So you got uh, Russell Gage ahead of him. That's, you know, this is probably the range. Uh, maybe you put Gall- Callaway ahead of Gage because of uh, the upside. Uh, Rondale Moore upside. Marquise Brown has some upside. Michael Pittman. Those guys are all going ahead of him. And then Devontae Parker, Henry Ruggs, uh, Terrace Marshall. Um, Jacoby Myers are going after him. Brian Edwards is going is going after him. I mean, I, I, I would certainly take him ahead of, of Parker and Ruggs, uh, you know, and probably Marshall because Marshall's looking at wide receiver three in, in Carolina. Uh, Jacoby Myers is interesting uh, in New England uh, as the de facto wide receiver one there who's playing well. So I think the I think that's fair. I think the 10th round is fair. And if you want to pull the trigger on the ninth because you're not thrilled with the receivers that are available there, then go for it. Let's talk about the other quarterback that was named starter this week. That's Teddy Bridgewater in Denver. So the, the Broncos drafted Drew Locke out of Missouri in the second round a couple of years ago. And it almost seemed like right away, right from the start, Vic Fangio, the head coach in Denver, wasn't necessarily, he, he was never ready to kind of crown uh, Drew Locke as starter. Drew Locke, terrible first half last year. But you look at the last eight or so games, I thought I thought from a real fan, from a real football standpoint, John, 
Drew Locke really improved. But nonetheless, they make the deal with Carolina in the offseason. Teddy Bridgewater named the Broncos starter. This seems like a really safe move because Denver feels as though they have a pretty good roster, and they do. From a fantasy perspective, what does this do to their skill skill positions now that Teddy Bridgewater's named the starter? Yeah, this is a total. This is a classic move by a defensive head coach. Absolutely, good point. They, yeah, he just wants a quarterback that will take care of the ball and move the chains and not turn the ball over and and put the defense in a bad spot. Um, they they're hoping to have a good running game uh, and Bridgewater. I mean, I don't have him projected for full quarterback stats for Denver because this is still kind of a dicey situation, I feel. Like, if he has a bad game or two, they might turn back to lock. You know, if, if, if you look at Denver, my projections in Denver, you know, quarter. if you just look at Denver quarterback, um, you're looking at about 280 fantasy points. So you're talking, you know, QB 21 potentially if, it's, if it was all one guy. Um, QB 20, maybe Baker Mayfield area. The thing with Teddy is that he is – even though he had uh, Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel last year, he only had 15 passing touchdowns, and he's never thrown more than that in a season. And, you know, maybe you give him a pass because it was a weird COVID year and, you know, it was it was a new team. and like, But just one touchdown per game, like that's basically his career average. It's sometimes less. Um, that's a little worrisome. I think otherwise his numbers are all pretty appealing. His yard, yards per attempt is, is good. His completion percentage is good. And so when I made the change and, you know, looked at him as, you know, probably a 15, 14 game starter, um, the completions went up. Uh, and so that helped, you know, in PPR, half PPR formats for guys like uh, Jerry Judy and um, Cortland Sutton and Noah Fant. Those guys got a little bump because there's just going to be more catches available and uh, more yard and more yards available because his yard, yards per attempt was better than uh, what I was projecting for Drew, Drew Locke. And I kind of gave Drew Locke like a 60, 40, 55, 45 chance of, you know, winning the job. Um, and then that just sort of over the course of the offseason just kind of kept going down. Um, but, you know, there was a point not too long ago, I think it was two weeks ago, that Drew Locke was like one good performance from away from locking up the job, according to a beat writer. And then Bridgewater was the one that had the good the good game. So... I think this is, uh, they might, if they get off to a poor start, they might switch back to lock. Um, but in general, this is pretty good for the passing game, other than touchdowns, which is what I'm a little bit worried about. Um, yard From a yardage and completion standpoint, probably better, but maybe the touchdowns dip a bit. It's an excellent point about the defensive head coach. I call it the Jeff Fisher effect. Like, just, just give me a warm body under center, and we'll win every game 19 to 16, right? Uh, of course... <laughs> Of course, they don't win every game nineteen to sixteen, and that's how you become, you know, a seven and seven and nine, six and ten coach. Uh, I, I don't even give Fisher the eight, the eight and eight that everybody gives you. Oh, eight and eight, the old five hundred coach. He wasn't even getting eight and eight over the last, you know, couple of years that he was a head coach at the NFL level. All right, what happens, John? Let's stick with quarterbacks. What happens if Mac Jones wins the starting quarterback job? In New England, when you're looking at the situation, you know Cam Newton gives you a lot of gives you a lot of rushing yards. He does impact the running game overall for New England, but the, he's so erratic as a passer. Mac Jones seems like a safer choice, but a safer choice with more upside, especially when it comes to the passing game. And it's weird saying safer choice because he's a rookie, but anybody watch Mac Jones at, at Alabama, you understand what I'm saying. Mac Jones, fantasy perspective, and then the the impact that it has on the the skill positions in in Boston if he Boston New England if he wins. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think you're getting 
you're, you're looking at Mac Jones, and he's more like the Tom Brady mold, right? Uh, the pocket right. passer, can't really run, but accurate, and uh, seems like he's pretty smart and can run an offense, and I think they're going to get back to that sort of passing game if he's the quarterback. And what's interesting about this quarterback battle is that they are two completely different quarterbacks. You know, Cam Newton extremely run heavy last year and it was kind of by necessity they didn't have any pass catchers and I was sort of like interested to see what he would do with you know uh Nelson Aguilar and Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith uh you know adding that to Jacoby Myers and being the second year in the offense and you know not dealing with long COVID and and all that but then he's got some weird deal where he has to miss and get quarantined here for uh, whatever 10 days it is because he's not vaccinated. Uh, he probably thinks that he's immune to it because he had it before. And uh, I'm not going to go on a vaccination spiel, but that's not how it works with the with the Delta variant. Um, and this is the type of thing that will piss a guy like Bill Belichick off because he, among you know, over everything else, he wants to win. So he's willing to get the vaccination so that he's not putting his team at a di- uh, competitive disadvantage. And uh, what happened? Uh, Mac Jones went into joint practices with the Giants and completely carved a pretty good defense up. Um, you know, completed 85% of his passes or something like that, and uh, just generally looked in command of the offense. So um, this does seem to be heading Mac Jones's way. I don't think that it's necessarily going to happen. Uh, Newton came back, uh, and I believe he took the first reps with the first team and his first practice back. So that still indicates that he's a starter, but they have to be having internal conversations about this. And what you asked what happens, and I think it's you're getting back to that Tom Brady offense where you're seeing a lot of James White. You know, Jacoby Myers is getting a ton of targets. Uh, the tight ends are getting targets. And, you know, we don't have, you know, 10 Cam Newton rushing touchdowns, you know, at the goal line or 14 rushing touchdowns or something. You, you get back to where you're getting 25, 30 passing touchdowns, a normal amount of rushing touchdowns, and maybe Damian Harris gets those uh, instead of Cam Newton. I think this is a boost for, for Harris in that regard, is that the touch touchdowns are more likely to go to him if Mac Jones is under center than, than Cam Newton. So it's, I think it's just a boost in overall for, the, for the, uh, the passing game. And, you know, Newton can be a very good fantasy quarterback without throwing a lot of passing yards, but that doesn't really help the rest of his team. Right. All right. Hey, we have some news to discuss. Want to want to let you know, um, certainly subscribers and fantasy, uh, you know, fans that listen to the podcast do have some interesting news, some fun news. Uh, but first want to let you know that we've partnered with underdog fantasy to offer a free four for four pro subscription. It's a $59 value. All you have to do is deposit $10 at Underdog as a new user. Not only that, but Underdog will give you a bonus of $25 in your account. And our partners at FFPC will also give you a $35 credit for one of their leagues if you are a new FFPC user. It's great. It's a tremendous deal. So returning FFPC users will get a $10 credit. So you're not left out if you are a returning FFPC user. Again, you're going to get the $10 credit. It's important that you use the code, the number four. Four, F-O-R, the number four, that's all caps, number four, F-O-R, number four, 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 to claim the free subscription. Full details, visit bit.ly slash four, 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 deal, and that last part's in all caps, bit.ly backslash four, 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 deal, all caps. 
or hit the pin tweet on John's Twitter page at four for four underscore John. We've never we've talked about this before. We've never really had an offer like this. So we're hoping that our listeners can take advantage of it. John, what do you think of the underdog interface? I know you've you've used it. Yeah, it's a really slick site. And for those that don't know what best ball is, and there's a few of you out there, it's basically you get to do the fun part of the season and not have to manage your team. You, the, the drafting is the fun part. You get into a a draft room with 11 other owners or however many there's three person, six person, 10 person, 12 person drafts. And, uh, you can knock out a draft really quickly and, you know, the entries range from, I don't know, a dollar or $3 to all the way up. And, uh, they also have a best ball mania two, which is their second, uh, major, uh, tournament. It's a million dollars to first place. It's $3.5 million in prizes. And, I like drafting there because you you know the drafts fill pretty quickly and you can knock one out in less than an hour if you're doing it. like I like to do twelve team drafts just to, you know stay sharp on on this and to get even get my uh, draft plan together just to sort of see where guys are going and where I can get certain players and you know how I can construct a team the best way I like it and so it's really nice to just be able to hop into a five dollar or a ten dollar uh, busball league and knock and knock one out forty five minutes over lunch or something so. Um, I'm really, really happy we part- partnered with them. Um, I think it's a great deal if you can do your deposit and get the 25 bucks from them and get a free sub. Uh, so definitely, uh, definitely support Underdog. We've also partnered with Prize Picks to offer a free DFS or betting subscription just for depositing $20 to $35 as a new user at Prize Picks. So if you'd rather get a DFS or betting subscription, and we got all new betting content this year. It's going to be uh, tremendous throughout the course of the year. We're hitting various, you know, we're attacking the, the NFL season in different ways when it comes to betting. But if, you're, if you'd rather get that DFS or betting subscription or you can't take advantage of that underdog offer that we just mentioned, then this deal might be right for you. Just go to bit.ly backslash prize picks. And that last part's prize picks is all in caps. And that's where you can find the details. The DFS subscription usually costs about $99. The betting subscription is about $179. So another great way for you to get a, a subscription at an absolute huge discount. You also get that $35 coupon at FFPC if you're a new user. And finally, it was announced earlier this week that 4 for 4 has been acquired by Betsperts Media and Technology Group. To celebrate, for those that want to subscribe outside of the Underdog Prize Picks deal, you can use the code BS25 through Sunday, 829, for 25% off any 4 for 4 subscription. So congratulations on the sale, John. I know you've been you know, part of the, the ongoing discussions and things like that in the background. How do you think this is going to impact 4 for 4 and its subscribers? Well, I think they're going to pretty much leave us alone for this uh, season. Uh, you know, the deal, we've been working on it for a while, and they don't want to disrupt our season. Uh, but they basically want to throw more support and resources at us. They love our they love our site. Uh, they love how we interact with customers. They, they love the tools that we have. Obviously, they love the rankings and everything. So um, that's all great. They sound like they want to take a fairly hands-off approach, but if we want help or we have ideas they were gonna have some ideas as well um so i just ex- expect this to go to the next level with four for four josh moore has been a, a great steward of this company i think he bought it in you know, 13 14 years ago uh a few years after that and he was doing everything on his own uh, a few years after that he uh, hired me and i handled all the rankings uh obviously for the site for the last 10 years 
and he's you know added a, a couple other full timers, including T.J. Hernandez and Luis Escalante, um, to start handling other parts of the business. And we've kind of taken it as far as we can as you know four full time people and a, and a great team of uh, contractors and uh, you know pretty hefty part timers that do different levels of work on the site. So um, I'm excited, and all my conversations with with the Betsperts uppers, you know, upper people and management, they really seem like they like what we do and just want to sort of enhance it and maybe cross promote. So, you know, long story short, it's, nothing's really going to change for the subscribers, certainly this year. And if anything, you know, heading into future years, the, the subscriber uh, experience should be enhanced and uh, I'm not going anywhere. I have no plans to go anywhere. So um, I'm, I'm excited for this sale and I'm really excited for Josh, who's, you know, kind of got it across the, the finish line for us. Yeah, John, uh, John knows Josh uh, certainly better than I do, but, you know, just kind of working with Josh, you know, he's, he's developed a great culture at 4 for 4, and I'm excited for him as well. Again, you've, you've got more um, knowledge and background working with Josh for, for longer than I have, John, but, you know, to, to work for him and the way that he really focuses on the people and the content that 4 for 4 delivers, it, it shows, and it's important. I'm, and I'm happy for him, and I'm happy for you, and I'm happy for us at 4 for 4, so it should be a great deal. All right, a couple more things that we want to get to from a news standpoint, fantasy news standpoint. I wanted to ask you about this. So ESPN's Michael Rothstein reported that the Falcons will use their first-round pick, Kyle Pitts, all over the formation to try to find exploitable matchups. I mean, I would I would hope so, but we haven't we haven't seen him. <laughs> we haven't seen him. I mean, why why else take why else take a tight end fourth overall when you need a franchise quarterback? Just my thoughts. And I'd like Kyle Pitts. It's nothing about against that, but I would expect that you're going to use him a lot, John. When you when you hear that news, what do you think about Kyle Pitts rookie year? I know I've asked you this before, but do you, is this just kind of you know coach speak? Is this reporter speak, or do you really feel like he could have a big year? Well, this is this is tough because you know you're just looking at the history of rookie tight ends and they just don't produce. I mean, there's been just a couple that um, have given a, a provided tight end one numbers as rookies, and certainly from an expectation standpoint, I cannot remember a rookie tight end coming in with these sort of fantasy expectations. Um, working in his favor, though, is that they're just it seems like they're just treating him as a receiver. So if we treat him in our heads as in fantasy as a receiver and think back, has, has ever has there ever been a good rookie fantasy receiver? Yes, there's been there's one every year at least, and there's multiple usually. So it's not like out of the realm of possibility that if he's just mainly running routes and not doing a whole lot of blocking, um, that he's just going to you know hit the ground running. He's joining a team that lost Julio Jones and you know the thousand targets that he sees every year. So there's just plenty of opportunity there. Teams can't focus on him too much because they got Calvin Ridley, um, and then they got Hayden Hurst, who probably will play more of the inline uh, tight end spot and uh, take some of that load off of Pitts. So, like the interesting thing with Pitts will be how many snaps is he playing? If he's out there eighty percent, ninety percent, and he's out there for every pretty much every passing down, which you should be, uh, then he should be able to return uh, tight end one numbers and certainly high end or at least mid range tight end one numbers. I'm not getting a lot of him because I'm usually jumping on uh, TJ Hawkinson or Mark Andrews after, you know, a round or two after Pitts goes because everybody's very excited to take Pitts. I do, you know, I did draft him in a couple of drafts. Um, but 
it's just sort of like this everybody's calling him this unicorn and it is sort of this this guy that is just such a physical specimen and a weird player to be playing the tight end position but um really a wide receiver in a tight end's body and if that's if that's what we see then he certainly can i wouldn't be afraid to take a take him if 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 they're just because tight ends have historically not produced well, rookie you, tight ends you gave me some peace of mind john because as you know I had a very big decision to make in our keeper league, and I unfortunately I had the first first pick. But after the keepers are done, what do we start? Basically, round five, essentially. Yeah. So I, I looked at. I mean, Justin Herbert was available, and I thought, well, I could, you know, stock up just just take the the franchise quarterback. But my philosophy has always kind of been find find a quarterback a little bit later on. So mm-hmm. I I figured if Kyle Pitts winds up being the next Travis Kelsey or the next, um, you know. Stud tight end George Kittle. I'm I'm set for a while, but I did take him essentially with my first overall pick in our keeper league. So you, you gave and, me you gave me some confidence. Yeah, and which which quarterback did you end up with? Ryan Tannehill. I went with the Ryan advice. Tannehill. Yeah, I went with the advice that's, of my 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 expert fantasy guy, which is your expert fantasy guy, and that's John Paulson. John, you said <laughs> you said you know I because you had your quarterback, you were you were set, but you said yeah. hey, you know just. Hat tip, if you, I know you need a quarterback at some point, look at Ryan Tannehill. And I was very high on Matthew Stafford. I think he's going to have a big year. But I sat there with the pick, and I'm like, you know what? I'm going with my guy. So I I went with Ryan Tannehill, John. <laughs> hey, anytime one of my friends ends up with Ryan Tannehill, I'm happy. Let's go. <laughs> All right, let's talk about the Seattle Times, who reports that new new Seahawks tight end Gerald Everett is, quote, already becoming a favorite target for Russell Wilson. Gerald's super elusive. He keeps getting open, Wilson said. He just finds a way to make plays. He's been exceptional for us, and I've got great confidence in him. Is he going to break out and become a tight end one this year? That's that's the question that a lot of people have from a fantasy perspective. That is the question, and, and his quarterback used the following adjectives. I'm just going to – you just said the quote, but super, uh, exceptional, uh, and great confidence – that's a lot. So that's what you want to hear, right? You don't want to hear, uh, well, he's working through some things and can't figure this <laughs> out. Or, uh, <laughs> you want to hear that he's hitting the ground running. And this is on the heels, I think, of two days ago where uh, uh, Pete Carroll was talking you know, a lot about how uh, great he was looking. And he knows the offense in and out because he uh, played with the OC in, um, uh, in L.A., and I don't think it's any coincidence that they signed him after the OC took over. Uh, this is—he's probably like this is this is this, this guy can be a starting tight end for us. Let's go get him. And uh, the, the only issue I think with Everett is you know you, you sort of lacking when you look at him compared to the top tight ends out there is that he's not going to be the number one, number two target on his team. I mean those honors go to DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Uh, but Everett could be the third most targeted player on this team. And if that's the case, then he certainly has a chance for tight end one numbers. And he's like one of these last um, – I mean, we've had a rough offseason when it comes to breakout candidates for, for tight ends. I mean, Troutman's got a foot injury, and Juwan Johnson's taking his routes. Uh, Ferkser's not playing as much in the, you know, in the preseason as we thought on all of the sets. Um, so there's a couple guys down there. And you know, we're kind of down to you know Irv Smith, who looks pretty good, Gerald Everett, maybe Cole Komet, but he's still got Jimmy Graham vulturing touchdown targets probably, uh, red zone targets. So um, we're kind of down to Everett. And actually, speaking of our keeper league, I took him late 
uh, in that league uh, to back up TJ Hawkinson, who I took in the fifth round in my first round pick. So um, I, I don't mind taking a second tight end if it's an upside guy because they could sometimes pay off uh, by a trade or if you know you have an injury with your guy, you've got somebody that can sort of explode on the bench. I took a late tight end. Now I, now I can't remember who it is. Hopefully he has upside. Hopefully, hopefully I took your, your advice there, John. I'll have to look that up. Uh, let's talk about Saquon Barkley, speaking of one of my keepers. Um, Saquon Barkley took eight live reps on Thursday, which is the first that he's had this summer. Are you in or are you out on Saquon Barkley this year? I have been out. I'm now starting. Yeah, I'm out. I have been out. I said, let me finish my sentence. (laughs) I am starting to maybe kind of think that maybe he's a good pick at the end of the first round if you're really looking for some upside. My now that he's actually in live reps, um, I do have. I mean, my concerns are everybody's concerns and the injury, but then I think people maybe are overlooking how bad this offensive line is. I mean, it's terrible. Uh, one of the worst in the league. So that's not something that I really want in my first round pick anyway. Uh, Barkley is a exceptional player, and I think you put him on the Browns and you're like, <laughs> here, it's number one, number one uh, running back overall, potentially, if, you know, if Nick Chubb's not there. But, you know, behind that offensive line, um, I think that the other concern is that maybe they don't um, give him a full workload uh, the entire season or even at the start, especially at the start, because, you know, they're worried about overworking him and his knee. Uh, with this offensive, there this coaching staff in period is on the hot seat, so they're going to want to uh, win games. I did hear somebody make that point uh, the other day, and that makes sense. So they 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 may not you know turn to Devontae Booker just to just to give Barkley a rest <laughs> if he's looking pretty good. So I guess the I guess the long story short is I'm starting to think about him in that uh, you know nine to twelve range. I mean I still like. Austin Eckler, full PPR. You know, Aaron Jones is really appealing. Uh, Jonathan Taylor is appealing. Uh, Je- uh, Joe Mixon. I know people. Some people are down on him, but he's going to see twenty to twenty-five touches a game, and he's not um, coming off of an ACL. Um, so that's where I'm at. I think you're fine. You're smart to keep him because long term, I think he's he's good. I, I just don't think we're seeing the rookie number one overall running back again. You know, his last season that he played. A full season, he was number he had the number six average, I think, and so I think that's like I wouldn't say it's his ceiling, but that's you know that's what you can hope for uh, if if you're keeping Barkley or, or drafting Barkley this year. Uh, by the way, not that not that anybody cares, but it was bothering me. Hunter Henry was my other tight end that I took a little bit later on. He's got some, yeah, he's got some upside. Yeah, I, you know, New England. I figured they're going to go tight end heavy this year. All right, Kenny Galladay still isn't practicing with a hamstring injury. Is he on your draft list or do not draft list? I've been fading him. I I drafted him because I was in like the ninth round in some draft because I was so shocked that he was there and I kind of regretted it. <laughs> so I don't know what that. <laughs> I mean, what that says. I mean, the, the guy's changing teams. He hasn't. He's got uh, Daniel Jones as his quarterback, so that's a strike against him. Uh, changing teams strike strike against him. He's now he's got a hamstring injury and has not you know, practiced in forever. Uh, so that's another strike against him. This is just not shaping up. And he's not one of these guys like Stefan Diggs where. Uh, you know, he did so well, uh, you know, as a route runner in, in Matt Harmon's reception perception, our guest from last week, you know, Diggs is one of the, arguably the greatest route runner in the league. And he goes to, to Buffalo and it all makes sense and works out. But Galladay's more of a contested catch guy. He's not necessarily uh, going to, you know, win uh, as many routes as somebody like Steph- Stefan Diggs. 
Uh, so this is all like shaping up to be very concerning. I think from a buying opportunity in terms of you know how can we capitalize on some of this stuff. Uh, Sterling Shepard uh, in the later rounds is appealing, although his ceiling is fairly low. But he's going to give you that you know wide receiver three, maybe some wide receiver two production. And then Darius Slayton uh, is barely being drafted, but I think if if Galladay misses games, then he's back in the fold as a possible. Uh, you know, starting caliber uh, receiver. The issue is that this offense is going to be pretty rough because the offensive line is bad and the quarterback's not great. All right, moving on to the other team now in New York. What's going on with the Jets' backfield? Well, I I, I want to send uh, Connor Hughes, who's a um, Jets beat writer, I want to send him a strongly worded letter uh, lamenting, uh, criticizing, or, you know, getting mad at him about the his the gushing praise that he flowered upon Michael Carter all offseason, basically saying that he's going to win the job soon. If he, you know, if it doesn't win it by week one, he's going to win it soon thereafter. Um, Basically got me, you know, targeting Carter in the eighth, even into the seventh round at times as my RB three or RB four. And now he has an article out of (laughs) athletic saying, yeah, he's one. He's one of the most elusive running backs I've ever seen. But the Jets are gonna have a committee, and they're gonna they're gonna run this like. And he said, I guess he said he said it before, and I didn't see the quotes. But apparently, the um, he, uh, Mike Lafleur, the new OC, and um, uh, for the Jets uh, wants to sort of recreate the 49ers uh, Super Bowl run sort of backfield with uh, Breda and Mostert and uh, uh, Tevin Coleman. So. It looks like Tevin Coleman's going to start, and Ty Johnson's going to be involved, and Michael Carter's going to be involved, and they might have Michael Perrine and P. Ryan involved. And, uh, and if that's the case, then you know it's going to be a tough sell to have Carter as a fantasy starter. But he's going to have to become that lead back uh, and get start getting the you know thirteen to fifteen touches a game for him to enter that sort of uh, discussion again. Last talk, talking point here, John. How do you evaluate keepers at this time of year? For example, if I have to decide between keeping, let's say, James Robinson in the ninth round, and I know people have kind of thrown similar scenarios at you, but if I if I had to decide to keep either James Robinson in the ninth round or Jerry Judy in the 15th, what's the best way to decide? Yeah, I get this question a lot on Twitter, and I did break it down in a recent, you know, just to try to, help my followers as much as I can. It's not like super scientific. I mean, there are, there are probably ways to, to assign value to uh, fantasy picks and certainly um, getting a guy going in the first round uh, is great. And second round, great third round. As you get up the draft, it's just the value increases on all the picks, but how I look at it. And you know, when I'm looking at somebody's question, um, and in this case, Robinson uh, going in the ninth round, and I would think that his ADP is now going to be in the third or fourth round. So you're getting uh, five to six rounds of value by keeping him in the ninth, right? Because you get nine minus three or four, and then you got Jerry Judy, who's you know probably going in the seventh round in most drafts, maybe eighth. Uh, so you're getting um, seven to eight rounds of value with with Judy. So you maybe compare the two and. You can see that Judy gives you the better round value, um, but then you know if, if it's close, and you can kind of like, okay, I'm going to go with Judy because I'm you know I'm getting a, uh, a seventh round receiver in the fifteenth round. 
Um, but then you might look at your draft and realize that it's really running back heavy and you know Robinson's value is so much better. Or you might look at the ninth round, uh, looking at ADP and realizing there's really nobody there that you want to take. Like There's some really weird parts of the draft this year where I get to it, and it's usually like 10th round, I think, and there's just not a lot of receivers that I want to draft. And the running backs that I want, I probably could get around later or two rounds later. And there's just nobody I want to take at cost. And so I end up reaching on a guy that I want. And, you know, maybe that's the ninth round for, for you in this situation. And you're like, well, I can just, you know, pencil in James Robinson for that, for that round. And now I've got my RB2 and I don't have to worry about it. Um, so those are the sort of, it's the sort of the thought process that I would have if I'm if going through these uh, examples where you have to give up a certain round to keep a certain player. I mean, our keeper league, we just have four keepers and it can be anybody. And so, you know, one of our guys kept Ladanian Tomlinson for 10 years. Uh, <laughs> that's the way, it, that's the way it went. Uh, uh, so, and I forget who came out. There was a, there was a back that came out, uh, and went to Minnesota. And I remember the initial draft, um, that back went went first overall. Michael Bennett. Oh boy! And that back went first overall because there was some kind of injury to Ladanian in camp, and then Ladanian went second overall to my friend Joe, and he had him for ten years. And I was just like, you shouldn't have this guy. You should have <laughs> had Michael Bennett. I think it was Michael Bennett, if I remember correctly. Um, anyway, I digress. That most keeper leagues charge you based on whatever previous season or something along those lines. And when you, when you get into that situation, I just like to subtract the round value from the, from the ADP and that gives me an idea. But then as you get into where you can, you know, drop a fourth rounder and get a first rounder or get a second rounder, uh, then you might want to lean towards that player because, you know, the value of those players in the first, second, third round are so much more. And those, those picks are so much more valuable than stuff, you know, sixth, seventh, eighth rounds. So jumping up early into, into the third round uh, would have value in this situation. So I probably, in this case, would probably take Robinson after all that discussion. You know, uh, going back to your guy, your guy, your friend Joe that had Ladanian Tomlinson, life's all about timing, John. You know, life's all yep, about yeah, timing. Right place at the right That's time. That's right. All right, that'll do it for this podcast. Uh, for John Paulson, I'm Anthony Stalter. That does wrap it up this week. Hey, don't forget to take advantage of that promo. You got the underdog uh, promo that we have going on. Lock in your pro subscription at 444. The link to hit is bit.ly backslash for for deal. If you wanted a DFS or betting subscription, then hit bit.ly backslash prize picks for all the details. We'll see you next week on the Most Accurate Podcast.
Hanging by 